Welcome to the Financial Fun Podcast with your host, Tammy Johnston. This is where Tammy talks with business owner parents and grandparents about the interesting and important subject of money. We promise this to be an interesting and open discussion, as that's how we learn best. And now, here's your host, author of the Financial Foundations. Financial Foundations is a series of books to teach kids about money, goal setting, and living a balanced life. Find out more at financialfund.ca. Here's Tammy Johnston. First things first, I would like to thank all of my listeners that have subscribed and reviewed my podcast and invite you to subscribe and review if you haven't yet. I appreciate you helping us to get the word out and making financial literacy a safe and welcoming subject for kids and adults. Second, please check out my podcast website, financialfund.ca, where you will be able to access past shows, find out more about me and our guests, as well as purchase the beautifully illustrated Financial Foundations books that teach kids about money in a fun, healthy, and holistic way. Hello once again, and thank you for joining us for the Financial Fund Podcast. Today, our guest is the lovely Kindy Delai Gill. Thank you for joining us, Kindy. Thank you for having me here, Tammy. So, Kindy, what is your business? What do you do? Um, I have a business called Spark Expansion. It's a business I created about two and a half years ago. And I spend most of my efforts helping people to transform their energies. Uh, and I started this as a, <laughs> I started this because of the state of the energy at home and I wanted a slightly different dynamic at home. And that's what started my interest in actually helping other people to better achieve the same thing. So when you say changing energies and stuff, what does that mean? It, well, in our case, what it meant was that there was a lot of arguments and a lot of misunderstandings in the home and triggers that were either causing people to be either in tears or slamming doors or something. And so really my um, desire was to get to the root cause of like why why are we reacting this way and what is it that's going on in our heads that's causing us to respond the way that we are and is there something that can be done about that. So that's what I mean by the change of energy. It was almost like a change of behavior but it arises spontaneously from inside because now the trigger points, they've been nursed and the wounds aren't as sore. And because they're not as sore, the likelihood of getting into the same types of triggers are much, much less. Oh, well, that's definitely much, much needed because (laughs) (laughs) in life, in business, in families, all of that stuff, like you can love them, you can do your best, but if you're spending time with other people, they're annoying. <laughs> they can be. That's right. And the question becomes, why are they annoying and why are we being annoyed, right? Yeah. And how are we annoying them? <laughs> Absolutely. It works both ways. And so, and, and that's the nice thing because I've had enough of experience to be able to help my three children and myself and then my husband every now and then joins in on the process. But what's been happening is that each of us progressively at least are taking more responsibility for our reactions um, and I can wholeheartedly say that the last nine years I've dedicated um, to making sure that all of my reactions are being curtailed back, um, but in a nicer way. Oh, excellent, excellent. And so tell me about your family situation. Um, I have three children. So, um, well, actually, first of all, I ought to say that I'm I'm going to be married nearly 30 years this August. Congratulations. That's a wonderful <laughs> milestone. 
Yeah, that's right. It makes me chuckle because it's not something that's achieved too easily. So it's like, okay, it depends I'll on ta- the work that you've been doing in your business. <laughs> that's right. Um, and so the byproduct of, of that marriage is three children. I have a 24-year-old daughter, a 20-year-old son, and then a 16-year-old daughter. Oh, so you 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 you've been through all the diapers and all that stuff, and now you now you get to deal with the with the teenaged angst and, and, and career choices and all that stuff. <laughs> yeah, they did. They did say, Mum, why did you extend this over a sort of a 12 year period? Because <laughs> most people would go through a phase like this, either diapers or the phase that we're currently going through and then be done with it. But somehow you've managed to extend it all. But yeah, there was a very, very keen sense in my brain that each child should have their opportunity to be an individual in the home. And so, um, that's part of. That was part of the theory that was behind the larger gaps. <laughs> and did it work out as well as you planned? Um, in the well, for the best part, I feel like, um, from my perspective, more of what I really wanted has actually transpired. They do ask, like, why aren't we closer in age? And if we had been, we would be able to have more interests that are the same, and we would be able to do more things that are actually at the same at the same time. Um, so I don't know whether for them necessarily it's something that they think has worked very, very well, but I know from my point of view, in terms of the aspirations I had and not wanting them to be at each other's throats and not wanting them to be competing with one another, that type of thing has been really, really well addressed in this home. Oh, well, that I can, I can fully understand because I know I've had lots of friends and, and clients and stuff where... They, they've been closer in age and some of them like do the things like we have more in common and we get along back. And then there's other ones. Like I, I, I know of a set of twins. Right. They, they love each other, but they yeah. have totally, completely different lives because they have extremely different interests. So oh. it's guaranteed. Yeah. Fascinating. That's the beauty of being a human being. Hey, yeah. <laughs> well, it's, it's 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 next to impossible. If, if you're bored, you're just not paying attention. Is how I'm looking at it. <laughs> yeah, I agree with you. There's something there's something that's asleep inside you. <laughs> yeah, they're going like there there is so much going, especially nowadays. Like as with 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 our kids and things like that. Like they have access to so much stuff that just plain and simple didn't exist when you and I were growing up. Yeah, that's the nice thing with every generation, even with us. If we think back in our own situations, we grew up in an environment that was actually such, such, so much broader than what our parents had. And the same thing applies to them. It's almost like whatever our wish list was, they come with, with that wish list in arm. Like if I knew how to deal with the remote control for the television really, really effectively, they've come at the age of two weeks already knowing how to use the remote control. So it's pretty neat. <laughs> oh yeah, pretty much. Well, yeah, I think, I think about it. Like I talked to, um, I visit my in-laws and, and that, and my dad, my father-in-law talks about, like, he lived in a uh, log cabin with a sod roof until mm-hmm. he was, like, 10 or 11 years old. And right. And he didn't get electricity until, like, teenage years and things like that. And we always had electricity. And then they'll... Now, now our kids are like growing up with, like you said, iPads and smartphones. And of course, yeah, yeah. For them, the idea of not having electricity or power would be very, very bizarre. Well, it's bizarre enough for me. I'm going. I can't even wrap my head around that. And That's right. It, it, it seems like it's so long ago, but if you actually stop and think about it, like you said, 
it's not. It's it's one generation removed from me. Yeah, and I still remember the black and white television. Or in fact, I still remember the first relative that bought a video a VHS video player, and and then we would all gather in his home to go and watch a film at the end of the week or something as a treat. But the idea of being able to watch a film in your own home was fairly alien yep. when I was growing up. I remember my parents buying the first Betamax. Oh, yes. And, and, and you talk about TV remotes. I was the TV remote. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, fascinating. <laughs> now they're getting so complicated, you don't know which one to pick up. <laughs> oh, yeah, or you got three because you, you have to keep... This one is for this, and this one is for that. <laughs> That's right. Where, yeah, Ridiculous. my daughter knows, yeah, here, this is what we do. You just go with it. And I'm pretty that's technically right. confident, I like to believe. I don't really enjoy the television. I think that's part of the reason why I haven't mastered how to use the remote control for it. Uh, well, you know what? It's probably better you, you make better use of your time than, than sitting in front of the TV as much as some people do. Yeah, for me, if it's the news that's playing, it's just such a lot of negative information that's being shared with the world. And it sort of feeds into this idea that there's a lot that we've got to be afraid of. And humanity does do a lot of dev devastating things. And I guess there is a need to share that at some some level, but it's not balanced. We don't get to hear the good news. We don't get to hear the things that go well. And and it's such a shame. Then when you turn it on, it's like all this drama that you're watching. You're like, okay, I don't really need this. <laughs> well, you have to go looking for the good stuff. That's one of the things that I'm really liking about like the internet and, and Facebook, because the, the people that I'm connected with on Facebook, 99% of the time, they're the pot, they're the entrepreneurs, the socially conscious, the people that are positive and going somewhere. So while we do discuss, yes, some of the negative things that, that are going on and, and definitely politics and stuff like that, but they're always up for, for sharing like the really good, amazing things that are going yeah. on, bringing more of the balance to the conversation. Absolutely. And as long as you're looking for that, obviously there's ways to find it. So I'm, I'm much the same as you. Um, the medium isn't the television, but my other channels provide me with the type of news that I'm actually very, very thrilled to watch and be part of or, and participate in too. So. So since you have, like, you have adult kids and, and, and you, you've got one that's, it, that's living far away in, in mm -hmm. the city of Edmonton going to, to school and stuff, what are some of the things that you're that you're noticing that are are different for your kids in terms of how they interact with money from when you were a kid. Um, well, the first part would really be, as a general general sort of comment, would be that when we were growing up, there was a sense that we had to work really hard to get our money, right? Um, and so there there was this sort of. Um, I'm going to use the word heaviness around it, but it was, okay, put your nose down, get on with it, put the effort in, then that's when you expect a slow a slow return for your efforts, right? Yeah. And I think in modern times, particularly these three children, and I guess I've contributed to the way that this has actually happened, but there is a sense that the world um, is easier, right? So there's this sort of feeling that whatever they want sort of just shows up and it's in their hands. And because it sort of shows up and it's in their hands, that grind and that sense of the fact that everything's 
hard, hard, hard work, I don't believe they carry that heaviness around them. They have a lighter attitude towards money and they have, um, it doesn't mean to say they don't value it as much, but I would say that they, um, they're just more relaxed around it. They don't stress as much. Yeah, there's just much more relax, relaxation around it. It's not such as, it's not such a big, big, big topic in their minds, right? And although all of them want to achieve their own wealth in one form or another, it isn't necessarily the primary driver in each of their heads. Like, for example, my eldest daughter is much more of a humanitarian. And so for her, a lot of her aspirations are about what she can do that's going to do, that is going to be of good. Um, and sure, earning money in that process is important to her, but none of the choices she's made so far have been driven by getting, getting the fast buck quick, right? It's been more about, is this experience feeling right? Do I actually feel happy in this current experience? If I don't feel happy in this current experience, what more do I need to do to turn it into a happier outcome for me? So there's a better sense of, I would call it almost like self-worth rather than just the worth of whatever value we place on money in society. And and you know what? I Now that you're bringing that up, I, I have to agree because everybody, like there's so much talk going on in the, in, in the media and so many articles and, and different things about millennials and some people will call them lazy and, and, and mm. all sorts of things. And I'm going, that hasn't been my experience for the simple fact like I like how you're saying they're not as materialistic in a lot of cases and, and, and attached to the money and they're more worried about, yeah, how do I feel about it and how is this going to impact the world and is this something that mm. I like? Because like when I was growing up, and, and probably you too, because I think we're relatively close in age, mm-hmm. our, our, our parents were all about go to school, work hard, get a good job, stay there for the pension and all that. And then we started seeing like layoffs and downsizing, right sizing and, and, and all this stuff going on. And they're going, well, why should I bust my butt and give up my life and be miserable in all this when the jobs aren't going to exist? They can fire me at any time for any reason. And, and, and I'm going, I'm not going to be putting all my focus into that. I'm going to be caring a lot more about how do I feel and am I happy doing this? And is this something that is contributing positively? Yeah, and the people that are calling them lazy are coming from a place where they're wanting to hold on to the old structural ways of running. But if we take a step back around the concept of money, a lot of us become servants in the pursuit of generating money. And and we're, we're slaves to a system. So if they decide... A very broken system. <laughs> yeah, and, and so if they decide, well, this system doesn't somehow stack up because their intelligence can see it, and they've decided and I don't want to be party to this sort of broken system, they will hopefully start shaking the system in a direction that actually serves us as people. And obviously the views that my daughter, the eldest one, holds is not necessarily the same as the other two because I've got my son who is extremely ambitious, which reminds me of sort of my ambition when I was his young, when I was his age. And he's much more focused about you know, if I put if I put the efforts in and if I get the grades and if I target my attention to X, Y, or Z, then this is the the route that I'm going into. And I often wonder whether that is actually a male trait that has genetically been picked up by him, and so therefore the pursuit of success and the pursuit of gathering money 
is coming as a byproduct of the fact that he's a man um, rather than a female in this family. Um, and that there's some sort of sense of pressure that somehow the male psyche carries about that sort of, you know, the gatherer and the one who's the provider and whether those genetics are playing as well in terms of his relationship with money. So I'm always curious as to, you know, why have we got different attitudes based on, on the same type of upbringing in a home? And our youngest child, um, probably understands money the best is what I would say, although they'll probably hate me for ever having heard, heard me say this <laughs> right now. And the reason why I say that is that her relationship with numbers comes easier. So her, her cognitive ability to understand numbers and manipulate numbers and see where they're going and how one leads to another is a lot, lot easier flow in her head. And therefore she has more of a natural ability around money and numbers. And so there's more responsibility that she seems to take. Like she's able to actually spend her own money. She's able to buy what she wants. She uses her pocket money in the most appropriate way, her birthday money in the appropriate way. She doesn't really lean on other people to sort of come in and fund certain things for her. And so she has an attitude that I, I actually really admire because, and it comes from that sort of, um, it's almost like a sense of knowing that says, I feel stable around numbers and therefore numbers don't scare me which is a very good thing and in, in, in talking about your son I've, I've never found ambition or nurturing or any of that stuff to be a gender thing it's just more individual personality is what i find because i found of course yeah but in this household because he's he's the guy so it's just fascinating for me to observe that the ambition drives is the, the ambition drive is a lot stronger in him. Of course, when I was growing up, and I, I equated it to me, I'm, a, I'm in a female body, and my ambition was just as strong. But I just find it fascinating to watch that out of the three of them, he's got more focus over gathering the money, accumulating it, not really wanting to spend it, um, and knowing that it's part of what he's got to achieve for wherever he thinks he's heading off to, right? So it, it and I, th- and I just wonder whether it's part of the male psyche or whether it's just the fact that he's inherited all those aspects from me. <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> you, ne- you never will, really will know. You'll just have to see no. and, 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 and watch how they, how they go. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. But the nice thing is to watch how their individual relationships with money is different. And so it's not down to the way that we have parented and it's not down necessarily to the way that we've behaved around money. Um, because for me, the relationship with money has come very, very easily. Um, I'm very mathematical. I've got an accounting background. Um, it's just been a very easy thing for me to manage. And it's fast. And my husband actually has a, a completely different relationship with money. And it's fascinating to watch the combinations of us and him that are in of me and him that are actually in each of the children. Oh, totally. I, I, when I look at my daughter, I'm going, there's definitely parts that are like, without a doubt, totally me. And then there's parts where totally dad. And it's yeah. quite interesting seeing how our different personalities combine a little bit into our yeah. child. Absolutely. Absolutely. So it's, it's actually good to watch with all three of them. But the nice thing, the, the, I think the, the thing that's really important is this relationship with numbers. Like, for example, when you're at school, we have a lot of emphasis around math, right? 
But the conversion of this emphasis around math and adding and whatever into day-to-day functional math isn't really there. No, it's, it's, it's very lacking. Yeah. And so I started to teach them, you know, about opening up a bank account and then about managing their own money and then about moving it from one place to another and what's involved in that and then learning how to get their own credit score ratings up and the eldest two opened up their credit cards and then they had to pay their own bills, even if it was like small amounts of money that they were processing on the credit cards so that they could learn what it what it meant to then get a credit history. And And I'm finding that that type of practical experience that they're being offered around here's a here's a bank statement and what does a credit look like and what does a debit look like and why is one on one side of the sheet and why is the other one on the other side of the sheet and how are the cumulative transactions being recorded on there and what does that actually mean like all these aspects are actually helping them a lot about their own comfort around cash right well i'm all i'm all for it because People, so many people avoid talking about money because they're going, I'm not good at math. And I'm going, you know what? You don't mm. have to be really good at math. You just have to understand mm. some, some basics. And the moment you start showing them, so this is why you should actually care. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. And then they perk right up and they're going, this isn't that hard. And going, no, it's not hard. It's not rocket science. I'm not smart enough to do rocket science. <laughs> That's right. And that's the difficulty. If a child tells themselves that I'm not smart at something, um, then what happens is it will filter out into their relationship with money and therefore it will filter out into their relationship with their own life and their own success and everything that unfolds from there. So it's, I feel like it's very, very important for us to actually give them this education around it. Like our eldest daughter, um, she she has a better understanding of what she's doing with the points that she's accumulating on her credit card and then how to use them for a flight and and how to how to maximize which card she should be using and which one she shouldn't be using like all these aspects that are life skills that are essential and yet she might have said to herself oh i'm useless at maths or something a long time ago right but yet her ability to actually deal with the finances is very very strong and that's because you you you've shown her and and your other kids that it's it's simple and it's basic and 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 how to question and understand how things work so that they're comfortable with it. Yeah, and when the nerves arise, for them to understand that that's natural, that the nerves will arise because it's the first time you're actually dealing with something new. Um, for example, like my eldest daughter had um, a new credit card that she opened up and a separate bank account. And then when the payment went through for her first credit card, it went through through her normal bank account. And on that particular day, the funds weren't there. And she had no idea that it would then bounce back. And once it bounces back, the payment doesn't go out a second time. And that you now accumulate this extra on your credit card. And therefore, there's now going to be interest on it, plus a fee for the bounce back. And she just went, she just called me and said, Mom, I don't understand. I've got a lot of money in my bank account that shouldn't be there. So she made that link that there's a lot of money in the bank account that shouldn't be there, but didn't understand why the credit card company wasn't just drawing out what they needed, right? And the good, the good thing that through this is that she felt comfortable enough asking you about it. Oh yeah. There's yeah. so many, like I, I get a lot of young adults come to me because mm-hmm. Their parents have sent them and they're going, we want you to start learning as soon as possible. And I'll, 
I right. sat down with them and I'll start going through like their bank statements and stuff. And, and with one young man, I'm going, yeah. um, why are you paying 250 to $300 a month in bank fees? And he went, what? Oh my God. Yeah. And I, so I, I showed him cause he, they don't get statements or anything. They do everything online or on his phone. So I just had, yeah. show me, show me your phone. I'm going through. And he was paying literally 250 to $300 a month in bank fees. And he didn't even know it. Oh my God. Because they, they, he was never taught how to look at anything or how to understand anything. And if he hadn't sat down with me and I said, open up your phone and show me what's going on. He would have kept paying that, and I'm going. How long do you have to work in order to do, to earn that? Yeah, it's ridiculous. When um, I think the the oldest two opened up an account last summer, and um, as a result of opening up that account, they were going to be given a three hundred dollar credit at the end of the year, and they were going to get all their bank fees reimbursed. But no, none of us knew that the bank fees were going to be charged first and then credited back, right? Because that's not how I understood it would be. I just assumed that they said there's going to be no fees to this account, so therefore there'd be no charge. And but now they're both very aware. Like, okay, when the 495 goes through as a charge, we have to wait for the credit to arrive, right? They're both very conscious of the fact that it should be there as as a as a contraaction there, and if it's not, something slipped up, and often something does slip up because the timing of the end of the month or the credit card payment or something doesn't line up with the the date that you've set it up as and suddenly the bank has a reason to take its extra charge and so they're they're both learning okay what does this mean what does this mean and and where does it leave me and what can I ask for and what can I ask for a refund on and what can I actually just let slip right so they've got a better understanding of that. Well, I, I, I love the fact that you, you have taught them to be conscious, aware, and involved in their finances. For this part of it, yes, because the, the element where they've got their pocket money, where they've raised their own salary, where, where they've done their summer jobs or whatever they've done, that's their money. So then it's, then I just felt like it was my responsibility to show them how to navigate it and how to move, move it around and what, and what their own, and, and, and also the apps, like, to, to have all the information on their phone so that they feel like they've got access to it, right? So to finish up here, because we've been having a wonderful conversation, if you could make sure that your kids understand three things about money so that you feel you've been a success as a parent, what three things would you want them to fully understand? Well, the first thing is that their value isn't about the amount of money that they have. That, I think, is absolutely essential in our current climate and in this current world that if they associate their own worth with the size of their bank balance, that something's going wrong. So that's a fundamental principle. The second one would be when it comes to um, managing money, they are responsible for their bank account, not the institution that holds that cash, whoever they might be and however large they might be and however authoritative or bureaucratic it might be. So it's really important that they understand that, that this is actually their responsibility to lead the process. Because all too often when we deal with institutions, we suddenly take on this sort of subservient role. And because we take on this subservient role, we just accept whatever news or information is being shared with us without actually properly validating it or questioning it. So it's very important that they understand they are responsible. 
And I think at the very basic level, the third thing that I would want them to, to understand is that money or math is not complicated. It's just in and out. And, and therefore, if they can keep their rational brain in place that recognizes that it's not complicated, so that it's not above them, it's not, it's not too difficult for them to be able to absorb, then in terms of movement of what they do in a month, like for example, if they're actually incurring costs on a credit card, they'll understand that if it's in and out, once you've put a charge on it, then somebody's got to take that money out as well at some point, right? And so as long as they understand that there's both flows, that I think simplifies the management of money. Excellent, excellent stuff. Thank you so much for taking time out of your busy day to join us. My pleasure, Tammy. It was fun. <laughs> can't think of can't think of a better topic really than this particular one because it's at the root of so much trouble in families and in homes and in relationships. So it's a very, very, very important thing that we ought to be discussing. Oh yes. Totally preaching to the choir on this one, dear. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. <laughs> well, you have a wonderful weekend. Thank you very much. Yeah, you enjoy yourself too. I look forward to hearing more from you. Before we leave each other, I would ask all of you listening to please subscribe to and rate my podcast. A review would be most appreciated and feedback is always welcome. Whether it be a comment, future topic suggestions, and or questions you or your kids would like to have answered in the Ask Tammy column on the financialfund.ca website. Please feel free to check me out on Facebook at Financial Foundations Children's Books, on Twitter at Financial Fund, and Instagram at Financial.Fun. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Financial Fund Podcast. Join Tammy Johnston again next week. For more information, please visit financialfund.ca.